0: Who is Jesus? Why does that question so divide the world? If you look up the answer from Wikipedia, it will tell you he is the central figure of Christianity. But strangely, other religions have opinions about Jesus. Of course, Muslims believe that he is a prophet. Was not crucified, was raised to heaven. A uh, Jews would certainly deny his bodily resurrection. They certainly do away with any idea that he was the awaited Messiah. They certainly don't believe that he was rightly anointed. Strangely, other faiths, like the Baha and the Druze faith, respect Jesus, but they don't worship him. Even liberal Christians have ideas about Jesus, they dismiss his miracles. They certainly don't believe he was raised from the dead. They're appalled by the idea that he will ever come back to judge,
1: but they think he's a good example that you can follow in your life. Who is he? Why does that question divide so many people? I mean, the last time I checked, I don't think that anyone's very concerned about who I am or who you are, but Jesus. There's been division about who he is for a long time among families, some of your families, among friends, among entire peoples. The world of Jesus's day was
0: divided over who he is. When he was alive, there were very few people
1: who respected him but didn't worship him. Now, this was nowhere more clear than when Jesus was crucified, when he was put
0: on trial to determine his guilt or his
1: innocence. Who do you say Jesus is? So it's not just how you answer that question. It's also how you ask that question
0: that makes an eternity of difference in your eternal destiny. This morning, we keep going in John's gospel. We're going to be in John 18, verses 28 through 40. If you need a Bible, they're in the back. If not, you can obviously look it up on your phone. We're going to be in this gospel. And when we come to this
1: passage, as we saw last week, the rooster has crowed. Peter has denied Jesus, and Jesus is bound up. Let's look beginning at verse 18. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early
0: morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again. Not this man,
1: but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. All right, here is the main point I want you
0: to see from this passage this morning. Jesus is the true Passover lamb the true king who substitutes himself for sinners. Jesus is the true Passover lamb, the true king who substitutes
1: himself for sinners. Believe in him. Believe in him.
0: So we're going to walk through this passage in the way that John kind of moves us through it. And the way that he does this is by walking through Pilate's questions, Pilate's questions for the Jewish leaders, for Jesus, and for the crowd. So that'll be the three points. If you're taking notes, Pilate's questions for the Jewish leaders, Jesus, and the crowd. And remember, the question for you is, who do you say that Jesus is? Let's begin by seeing Pilate questioning the Jewish leaders there in those first five verses, 28 to 32. When we come to this point, we move from Caiaphas, who's the high priest, to the governor's headquarters. So we're moving now from religious authority to state authority. Jesus and the high priest to Jesus and Pilate, and John tells us it's early morning. Oh, uh, we know from Matthew's Gospel, chapter twenty-seven, that it was at sunrise when all the chief priests and the elders. They took counsel together against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him. They led him away. They delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Remember, darkness surrounded everything from that night. But here, John very carefully narrows in on these decisions made by the Jewish leaders and by Pilate himself. Now, you should know that Given how this uh, passage unfolds, some have said, there's no way John would have known all the details of this event. I mean, he could have witnessed things from a distance, but inside Pilate's headquarters? We'll never forget that Christians believe Jesus rose from the dead. And he himself very well probably told his disciples about all of this. And never forget that Christians believe that even the most hardened people can come to faith. Who knows if one of the Roman soldiers who watched the events that night didn't believe after he was raised from the dead and even become a witness to the writing of Scripture. All of that is possible. We don't know. What we do know is that this is an account with all of its wickedness we can trust. These religious leaders who so carelessly put Jesus Christ on trial, suddenly become very careful when they reached the governor's headquarters. John tells us, verse 28, they did not enter it so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. Passover was an annual feast that the Israelites had observed for centuries, much like a holiday in your own country. When the Israelites were slaves under the Egyptian government, God sent a series of plagues on the Egyptians. Why? So that they would let his people go free. And the last plague was God's judicial sentence of death on the firstborn boy in every household in the country. The only way to be spared from that sentence of death when the angel would pass over The house was to obey God's commands to slaughter a lamb, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. Can you imagine what it was like to be alive that night? The angel saw the, the blood on the door and would pass over that home and spare the life
1: of the firstborn son. And for centuries, every year, Israelites remembered that night
0: that God spared his people by the blood of the Passover lamb. So one of the Jewish laws was to prevent them, to help them understand the difference between clean and unclean from entering into a Gentile residence or even building. It would make them unclean and so unable to observe this holiday. I want you to see why John is is telling us this. John has had an agenda in this book from the very beginning. He introduced us at the beginning of this book, through the words of John the Baptist, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again and again in this book, John keeps linking Jesus to the work of the Passover So already, and in total, he's going to mention the Passover nine times. and Every time he does, he links it to Jesus's death. So back in John 6, the Passover was the context for the feeding of the 5,000. And right after that miracle, Jesus teaches that crowd that the only way that they would know eternal life was to eat his flesh and drink his blood. We read back in John 13, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Now we could go on, but John is conveying something to us. There is a strong link between the Passover and Jesus's sacrificial death for sinners. And he wants us to see clearly Jesus is the true Passover lamb who by his own blood saves his people. And it's with all that background that John carefully tells us the religious leaders followed the law to keep themselves clean so that they could continue eating the Passover completely blind to the fact That in their presence, bound up and arrested, was the true Passover lamb from heaven. Only by eating and drinking of him would they know eternal life. How closely they followed the law. How far their hearts
1: were from the one whom the law pointed to. Who the law was all about you're meant to see very clearly
0: blind religious observance is totally empty
1: apart from your heart being transformed. Be really careful that you're not coming here, that you're not doing something religious. You don't do nice
0: things, whether it's charity or or some kind acts, or you thinking, hey, I'm not as bad
1: as that person. That's not what you're really trusting in to make you right with God.
0: You know it doesn't do to just verbally say with ease I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins when your life shows in no way do you believe that. In no way do you really know and love Jesus. I mean, these men, if you had met them, they were more religious. They were more scrupulous about following law than you can fathom. And yet they were so far from God. They literally have the observance of the Passover at the front of their mind, and they are handing over the Passover lamb to be killed. Only by eating and drinking of Jesus, which means believing in Him, wholly trusting in Him, could they and you
1: know eternal life. So we see them. We see so clearly as we read this how defiled they were.
0: But do we fail to see ourselves? I think we as human beings are brilliant in this way. We are so brilliant at creating systems that make us feel clean but never get anywhere near the depth of cleanness that we need. And we do this because we don't easily or naturally see how deep our problem goes. And so we can't fathom how deep the solution must go. And that's what all man-made religion in this world does. Now, let me say something to you who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't ever think that somehow we weren't hard to save. Don't ever fall into thinking that him, her, those people, really hard to save. Not me. Guard yourself from ever trying to clean yourself up in the way you see yourself or cleaning up your need for very real blood spilled from the Passover lamb. John means for you to see very clearly that ritual and religious activity is empty apart from Jesus Christ. They trusted in the ritual. They missed what the ritual was all about. They may that day have stayed clear and clean to eat the Passover, but they were not cleansed by the Passover lamb who was in the very act of taking away the sin of the world. And it's at this moment, verse 29, when Pilate comes into the scene. Most of you have heard of Pilate. He was appointed by the emperor Tiberius. He served as the governor of this region, Judea, and the surrounding region from around 26 to 36 AD. The only reason Pilate is there in Jerusalem is to prevent a riot. He would lose his position if a riot broke out and he didn't handle it. Ironically, that's exactly how he lost his position. There was a riot around 36 AD in Samaria that he failed to handle properly. I think as we think about Pilate coming into this scene, we should just imagine how unaware he was of the world historical moment, of the redemptive historical moment he's walking into. Now notice, Pilate went outside to them. He was aware of their religious scruples. He was willing to meet them in their religious sensitivity. And he has questions for the religious leaders. What accusation do you bring against this man? Now, I wonder if they were surprised that he even asked the question. He, he, Pilate, had to have been aware and have authorized the fact that Roman soldiers took part in arresting him. And when they respond, notice it's not much on specifics in verse 30. If this man were not doing evil, we would not have brought him to you. Now, you can be sure Pilate didn't care at all about some religious squabbles among the Jews over whom he reigned. He tells him, verse 31, you you take him back. Judge him by your own law. They've done this in the most shameful way possible. And it's remarkable that it's right there that the Jewish leaders jumped to his death. It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death, as if Pilate needed to know what Roman law was. It hadn't been long before this when the Romans no longer allowed Jews to judicially put one of their own to death. Pilate wouldn't have cared if Jesus had blasphemed their own scriptures. He would not have cared if Jesus was a lunatic and claimed to be God. What he did care about is if Jesus in some way said he was a king. That would make Jesus a rival to Caesar. And so the Jews did deliver Jesus over to Pilate. John tells us in verse 32, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to
1: die. It was in that handing over that assured that he would die by crucifixion. It was a horror to the Jewish mind. Deuteronomy 21
0: declared a man, a hanged man is cursed by God. And yet you are meant to see that in this tragic injustice, John sees the hand and work of God. It is Jesus's word that is being fulfilled. We read in John 12, Jesus declared, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Now, I do not think that people have bad intentions at all when they say this. So if this is you, I don't think that you have bad intentions. But I have noticed often with Christians or religious people that when something unexpectedly good happens, people quickly say it was a God thing. Now that's true. It's wonderfully true. But if we're not careful, we can start to think that God only intervenes at certain times in the world, and that he only intervenes when it's something good, never bad. Look at what John
1: says. In Jesus being wickedly handed over to Pilate to be crucified, that it was a God thing. Remember the gift of this sentence from John.
0: This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken. God reigned over every decision, over every detail to bring about the crucifixion of the Son of God. And if God reigned over the Jews, handing Jesus over to this small territorial ruler in the Roman Empire, if God was ruling over that, are there not details in your own life that you need to trust that God is ruling Over. Just take a step back and reason from the fact that God did the greater. He ruled over the most wicked act. And that did not stop God from doing infinite good through that act, that you can trust Him with that in your life. I mean, this was literally the only time since the world began that a bad thing happened to a truly good person. And God reigned over it. God ruled over every moment of this account. He was working for good. I think that moments like this, phrases like this in the scriptures, allow you to honestly see the evil in your own life or the trial and to see your God who is working good in every detail. The fact that Jesus being handed over was to fulfill what God had spoken means you can trust your good father with that doesn't make sense to you you don't understand that you don't have hard questions about that you should feel free to wrestle through and believe that God can handle it does mean you are free to have a posture of faith in your god in your father, who was ruling over his own son's crucifixion.
1: If he wasn't absent in those moments, is he absent in your life? Here, Passover is continuing. And strangely, the Passover lamb is being handed over to be crucified. Pilate
0: asks questions about Jesus to the Jewish leaders. And now Pilate has some questions for Jesus. Let's look at this second part of this passage. Pilate questions Jesus, verses 33
1: to 38. Suddenly, the scene switches. It's a public setting. Now to a private one, Jesus and Pilate. It's interesting, they were
0: not concerned or they were concerned to not defile themselves. They have no such concern for Jesus. Now we're inside. It's Pilate and Jesus. And Pilate's question is, are you the king of the Jews? Now it's clear that that's what they had told Pilate was his claim. And Jesus, for his part, he wants to know what kind of man he's talking to. Verse 34, do you say this of your own accord?
1: Or did others say this to you about me? Pilate? this conversation can go two ways, but it really depends on you. You want to know this for yourself? Are you genuinely
0: interested in knowing who I am? Or are you just repeating charges that were told to you? So for Jesus, it matters not just what you ask, but how you come to it. Uh, We've seen again and again in this gospel, your posture toward Jesus determines what you see about Jesus. So if you're just looking for some surface answers about Jesus, if you're just testing him, if you're just going to Jesus for what you can get out of it, rather than going to Jesus for Jesus, you will miss him. Jesus reveals himself and Jesus conceals himself. And Jesus is is discerning.
1: Pilate, why are you asking?
0: You know, he already knows your motives toward him. For Pilate, he just for the sake of this case, he needed to know about Jesus. He had no interest in knowing Jesus. So learn that there's an eternal difference between the two. And as Jesus responds with a question, it's, Ironic, he goes from being put on trial to putting Pilate on trial. I would just think what a different night it would have been if Pilate
1: really wanted to know who he was. Now, some of you, I think, are familiar with Jesus.
0: I think you repeat what you've been told about Jesus.
1: But do you know Jesus? Do you even want to know Jesus? Pilate didn't.
0: He responded in verse 35 Am I a Jew? Your own nation, your your chief priest, delivered you to me. Jesus, this is of no interest to me personally. I have a job to do. It's laughable that you think that I, a Roman governor, have any serious interest in any claim that you make. Whatever you think about yourself, Whatever you claim about yourself is something that your people, your own nation, handed you over to me, and now I have to be at least a
1: little concerned about. Pilate does have to figure out who he is. So he says, verse 35, what have you done? It's interesting how he
0: answers him. He tells him what kind of a king and kingdom he has and is. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Okay, by saying he's a, he has a kingdom, he is definitely saying he's a king. And there's quite a number of ways he could have defined his, his kingdom. Remember that for every kingdom, there's a king, there's a ruler, there's a realm. No king, no authority, no realm, no kingdom. Jesus defines his kingdom by what it is not. It's not of this world. It's not from this organized system that human beings have created to rebel against God. Jesus' kingdom is heavenly. This is a different kingdom. What's his proof? That he has servants and they're not fighting. He's already very publicly told Peter to put away his sword so that he could be arrested. He is demonstrating he brings in a kingdom, not like this world. So if he's a king, his kingdom is characterized by values, by realities, by power, not from this world, but from heaven Pilate should have certainly seen whatever kind of claim he's making. He he does not deserve to be crucified. Rome doesn't have an interest in that. How different this kingdom is not of this world, powerfully and actively present in this world. And you know that. We who are trusting him as king live in tension. We, citizens of a kingdom, And yet, we live under kingdoms in this world. We have responsibilities to both. We have ultimate allegiance to one. And we love the kingdoms of this world, no matter if we're citizens or if, you know, every three years we're hoping we get another visa. But we love these kingdoms best when we don't love them first. Jesus was revealing. Kingdom and a kingship to which Pilate is blind and he's opposed. But that did not diminish its power and its reality. We're very different kings who were facing off that day, two different kingdoms. They were founded on, they were expanded by very
1: different power. It would have been unthinkable at that moment. And yet it was absolutely true
0: that it wouldn't be long before Rome would be in ruins and the kingdom of Jesus Christ would be marching on i think for me one of the greatest encouragements and the ways that the lord has grown me in my own faith living here is personally knowing brothers and sisters in this region and in our own body who in the face of very real opposition in this world faithfully bear witness
1: to this kingdom
0: your nation may oppose king jesus your family may oppose King Jesus, they cannot destroy his kingdom. Your faithfulness, no matter how weak that it feels, in bearing witness to King Jesus matters. Praise the Lord that Christian hope is not rooted in any king or kingdom in this world. Like Jesus here before Pilate I think our faithfulness often appears or it feels foolish. Sometimes it feels futile in this world, but you can be absolutely certain that in the very end, it will prove to have been wise. Pilate here is trying to get some facts. He doesn't understand anything. His questions just lead him to more questions, frustration. Verse 37, so you are a king. I mean, you can just hear it all in his voice, in the way he's asking the questions, who are you? He cannot figure out, he can't perceive, discern, the man standing in front of him. Remember, those who come to Jesus on their own terms, rather than desperately seeking to come to Jesus on his, seeking to get what he alone can give, always go away disappointed. You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So he defined the kingdom negatively. It's not of this world. Now, positively, he's come for a purpose. The word who was God and with God comes to disclose God, the Father, to the world. He came to reveal truth to the world. So his kingdom and his kingship are never separated from the truth. Not swords, not fighting, not great displays of power, but bearing witness to the truth even and especially in the midst of suffering. That's how the kingdom was established.
1: That's how the kingdom goes forward. Now, in our hearts, we want so badly to impress
0: the world. We want so badly to do something, often to help Jesus out, to make the plan better. But faithfulness as a Christian, as a, as a pastor, as a missionary, as a church, is bearing witness to the truth. In season and out of season. When they show that they're interested, when they don't. You know, bearing witness to the truth, is speaking up. Being faithful makes you fearful. Remember, the king of this kingdom delights to meet you in all of your weakness. Uh, This king delights to come into your weakness, your feeble efforts, even the ways you think you stumble, and to use that for ends that you cannot even fathom. This is why I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. It's the only way that we will ever make disciples. I was so encouraged. I think a number of you were as well last week at our our members' meeting together when we were able to hear our brother talk about how just simply by faithful Christians, faithfully living as Christians, loving him patiently over time, bearing witness to him until ultimately, bam, he saw his need, his own sin, he saw the glory. And the reality and the truth of the the risen Christ, crucified and raised and ascended, and he believed in him. I mean, we all come from different backgrounds. But, you know, ultimately, that's how we're finally saved. We come to understand, to know, to believe in the truth. Hearing the truth, believing the truth. I would urge you don't grow witness. Don't grow weary in bearing witness to the truth. Let us never grow witness to bearing witness to the truth. And the ways that we don't grow weary in this is that we live near, we live under, we continue to see the glory of the cross before our eyes. Cling to the cross, live beneath the cross. That's how we bear maximum fruit in our own lives. It's interesting that Jesus does not say here, everyone who listens to my voice will learn the truth, but everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. It's only as you're on the side of the truth that you will listen to Jesus. What you can and you cannot hear from Jesus depends on who you ultimately are. What's your heart toward Jesus? Truth is not this abstract thing. Truth is fundamentally a person. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And truth is never separated from the eternal son who's come into the world. So what you're doing with the son, whether you're following him in faith, whether you're keeping him at distance, even if it looks respectful, determines your relationship to the king and this kingdom. Those who love the truth listen to the voice of Jesus. They hear it over the voices of this world, you hear it over the voice of your own soul. As you think about the rhythms of your life, how are you ensuring that it is the voice of Jesus that you hear day in and day out? Let's get very practical. Are you anxious or worried this morning? Worry is so often fueled by you listening to yourself rather than what Jesus has authoritatively said to you in his word. It is fueled by your belief that your perception of the truth that is troubling to you is more authoritative than Jesus, who tells you the truth, that you are worth more than many sparrows, that it is his father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So life in Christ means you've been set free from having to believe that if you just had control, you wouldn't have to worry because your father's in control. Are you proud? Are you hard? Pride is not believing the truth about yourself, who you really are in light of who God really is and what he's done for sinners in Jesus Christ. So are you believing things about yourself that just aren't in accord with reality? Christian, Have you grown used to the fact that Jesus died for you? What do you have that you did not receive? Just think about Pilate's opportunity that day. He's face to face with the eternal word made flesh who is the truth, and he's disclosing to Pilate eternal reality, eternal glory, and Pilate is so blind that he thinks he's determining King Jesus's destiny when King Jesus is in that very moment determining his. Pilate was not of the truth. He could not hear his voice, and so Pilate, who asked him question after question, ultimately
1: asked, what is truth? He meets Jesus, but he leaves without the answer. Who is Jesus?
0: Be careful that when you ask that question, you want to hear the answer on Jesus' terms. He has told us the truth about ourselves, about ultimate things, about who we are right now in Christ, in heaven, our future inheritance. And it's amazing that he did not reveal himself to the powerful and the impressive, but to weak, small, unimportant people. Like us. In this world of lies, King Jesus tells you the truth. Believe him. Pilate was asking him questions, but he wasn't prepared for his answers. Pilate is required by Rome to decree to the world the truth about Jesus. He doesn't even know what truth is. So he's questioned the Jewish leaders, he's questioned Jesus, and now finally he has questions for the Jewish crowd. The second part of verse 38 to verse 40. Pilate questions the Jewish crowd. We go from outside to inside. We go back outside again, this time to this crowd, when verse 38, Pilate says definitively, I find no guilt in him. This is the first time over the last night someone has said something true about Jesus. He's innocent. Pilate clearly thought, whatever you think you are, you're not a threat to Rome. I have to imagine that Pilate, uh, even to get to this position that he had, had to have some level of of cynicism. There's no doubt in my mind he was cynical about the Jewish leaders. I wonder how surprised he was by Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, this must have been unlike any prisoner he had ever seen. As we've gotten to this point in this gospel, there's been so many different judgments about Jesus. John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the King of Israel, the Samaritan woman. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Man born blind who was healed. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Pilate, who found him guiltless, yet could not perceive who he was. It's not enough to be respectful toward Jesus, but to keep him at arm's length. You must embrace him as Lord and Savior if he's to be embraced at all. And if you do see and perceive who he is, do you see that you have a treasure, something so great that nothing in this world can compare to it? Pilate can't grasp what he said, so now he has questions for the crowd. Verse 39, you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? The one who's supposed to sit in judgment, ask them for their judgment. I think he did take special pleasure in calling him the king of the Jews because no doubt the Jewish leaders were in that crowd. John doesn't tell us this, but the other gospels do, that the chief priests, the elders were among the crowd that day. And John just simply tells us, because of them stirring them up, they yelled, not this man, but Barabbas. John says he was a robber. If you're reading from the
1: NIV, it
0: says that Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. That probably better clarifies the sense of this. And who Barabbas was, he was, before Rome, a terrorist enemy. And now Jesus is standing before this crowd on the same level as Barabbas. Do you see again that there is no depth to which Jesus would not go to save? And the crowd famously, having given the choice, chose Barabbas. John tells us he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The whole ordeal begins because the Jewish leaders claimed he was an imposter king who threatened Rome. And in the end, it was them themselves who stirred up Pilate, stirred up the crowd, so that Barabbas would be handed over, the one who was a true threat to Rome. I think of every sinister plot Pilate had ever seen, this had to have been one of the worst.
1: Two prisoners that day. One who is guiltless, the other who is guilty, and the innocent one substituted for the guilty so that the guilty one goes free. Who is Jesus? He is the king who very
0: willingly substitutes himself for the guilty. He is the Passover lamb who gives life to everyone who comes to him in faith. Surely you can see this is a kingdom not of this world. What other king would ever free you to come to him, not at your best, but at your worst? What other king is more than willing to hide himself from the powerful and the impressive and reveal himself to the weak and the lowly? What other king would have ever stayed there silent so that he could be substituted for a very guilty criminal? King Jesus, whose kingdom is not of this world, who bore witness to the truth because he is the truth. He stood in the place of Barabbas, and at the cross, he substituted himself in the place of everyone who sees not just what their sin really is, but sees him in all of his glory, sees him as the Savior and the Lord and the King that he is who came into the world as God in the flesh and who came as a king and a kingdom and, and with a kingdom and established it by laying
1: his life down for sinners. And not by the power of this world, but by the power of God, he was raised.
0: He really did accomplish salvation by the power of God. Pilate may have missed who he was that day,
1: You don't have to see and perceive who he is and repent and believe in him. Brothers and sisters,
0: you know who Jesus is. Consider what so many failed to see. You've seen. If your life doesn't make sense, according to this world, rejoice. You've come into a kingdom that is not of this world. And so as you live, in and under the kingdoms of this world, you do not have to live for them. The truth has set you free and you are now free to bear witness to it. There's no king, there's no kingdom like this king and this kingdom. The world's true king substitutes himself for sinners.
1: And I cannot think of any truth that is more worthy of our witness than that.